Okay, well, thank you uh, to all of those who've joined us today, uh, wherever you may be joining us from. Um, as always, a pleasure to have you here. Uh, it's Scott here, uh, one of your hosts today, and uh, I would really like to welcome you to this month's Partner Connect webinar for May. Um, and for those of you that haven't joined our webinar series recently, uh, we are now doing these webinars monthly, and not only around product, but also other relevant topics um, that we're hearing from our partners. Uh, last month was on um, our, some product updates into the platform and also we did a, a segment around GPDR and, and not about the legalities of it but how we're talking about it and positioning it and using functionality to support it. Um, so today as usual we will be recording the session so uh, feel free to share with your colleagues and on months when you can't attend um, you know, feel free to listen to the recording or podcast in your own time. Um, for any of the previous months uh, on our partner portal, there is a full library of uh, Partner Connect sessions. So as usual, we also uh, try to invite uh, a guest to provide things from their perspective. So without further ado, I'll introduce who I have with me today. So with myself, Scott Lockie, I have the continued pleasure of hosting with Mr. Kerry Plowman, Manager of Product Marketing. Uh, thanks, Scott. It's always, uh, always great to be here on uh, the, partner, uh, the partner webinar once a month. So uh, fantastic. And thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Great. Thanks, Kerry. And our guest with us today, uh, he's no stranger to the Partner Connect webinar series, is Reg Ko, Director of Channels here at Quick Mobile. Uh, great. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Kerry, for uh, allowing me to join today. Super excited to uh, speak on this topic with all of our guests today. Hope you guys get a lot out of this and uh, hope this uh, starts a lot of discussion with you and your teams as you start to roll out your events, uh, not only for this year, but into the next years with uh, Quick Mobile. Great. Thanks, Reg. So just as a reminder to everyone, um, not only do we provide a video recording uh, of the webinar, which is on our YouTube page, but you can now access all our Partner Connect we um, webinars as podcasts. So whether it's on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, they're all available. So you know our aim very much is that you don't necessarily need to see the slides to really gather the information. Um, so feel free to you know follow us on one of these uh, podcast offerings, um, or you know share it with uh, with others in your uh, community. So. Let's look at uh, our agenda today. And our, our topic is back to basics, something many of our partners have asked for. And um, you know we want to be highlighting our best practices and showing how you can really make the event app stand out. As always, there will be time for Q&A, so please submit any questions you may have through the webinar uh, questions console. Now, one of the reasons this topic has bubbled up is that for the most part, People still see value in having an app, but we still see so many applications that do not provide the value they have the potential to do. So today we're going back to the basics, talking about how you really make your application work for you or for your clients and their attendees. And as we've said for years, an application upon download must provide immediate value to the attendee as seen through their eyes. So we're gonna to talk to you about how, how we're gonna do that. Now, before I jump in and hand over to Kerry, um, there is some uh, exciting information hot off the press. And so for some of the you that saw a press release a few weeks ago, well, Quick Mobile now is officially part of the Cvent family. And we're really excited about that here at Quick Mobile. And we're also excited for our partner community because you know they will be, have the ability to start leveraging even more solutions uh, to bring to their clients. So it's still early in the process, but we do want to commit to keeping our partners informed and look forward to bringing even more value to our community of great partners. So just wanted to provide a bit of an update on that. So Kerry, over to you. Great, thanks Scott. Now, a while back we've done a, a bit of work on the um, collateral and things like that help you to define and uh, create what we call a results-driven event app. And um, at first, you gotta you need to go into this into the app development process with just a solid understanding of what you need to achieve. So your strategy, right? And building an event app strategy is 
commonly overlooked. So we decided to start off this webinar here today uh, with, this, with this highly critical part of the process. And, and it should be completed well before you start digging into the mechanics of your event app. The more prepared you are going into it, the better off your app is going to be when it's ready to download. So it'll just be that much quicker for you. Now, as you can see in front of you, obviously you always start by first identifying your objectives. Uh, you'll be able to de develop your app so that it accurately shows you um, what you're trying to measure and how you're going to meet those objectives. So you begin with defining your goal. Uh, this is the why of your strategy, as in why am I offering this app? Now, there, obviously, there's going to be a lot of reasons to offer an app. You're going to show up to your competitors, engage your employees, or just maybe even make your meeting more sustainable. Whatever reasons apply to you and your event, you need to make sure that the app makes your event better and that it moves that your business forward. So start by clearly laying out the objectives for both your organization and for the event, and just aim to understand both as thoroughly as possible. This will help you create your goals that you can measure through the event app and make it easier to link your event back to the overall success of what you're trying to achieve as an organization. Now, let's uh, just take a quick example here. Say, for example, we're doing a sales kickoff. And uh, one of the main goals might be here to help improve sales results. And if you can identify a potential event goal as perhaps creating opportunities for the sales force to share competitive intel with each other, you're gonna, you're gonna, your, uh, your goal for your mobile event app should be then to increase those communications between attendees. So you're naturally gonna to wanna to include all those features that help promote that. So again, by establishing all those goals up front, you're gonna be able to create a results-driven app that will really focus the efforts of everybody involved in the planning of the event towards that common goal. Now, once your goals are defined, then you're going to, uh, then you're going to establish that, your method. And that method is really the how of your strategy. So, uh, you're, you're, you, you identify what your goals are, you, you work to figure out which of the mobile app features are going to help, and, uh, help you achieve them. And if you're familiar with a quick mobile platform, we already have about 50 different features that you can choose from in order to create the, that ideal event app for your meeting or event. Now, let's go back to our sales kickoff example. There's several features that would help increase those communications between attendees you're probably gonna focus in on those features that impact communication specifically. My opinion, you definitely want to include uh, the features designed to, to really augment the interpersonal communications. So things like the, the surveys and the documents, the speak outs to get all these uh, uh, opinions uh, or the platform for opinions to be created and even the messaging so that uh, so, so that, that attendees can communicate with each other uh, directly. And all of these are going to drive that event goal. Once you've established all your, defined your goals, established your method, last but, the last thing you have is to evaluate that success. Now, this is an important part of the planning process, and it really deserves its own webinar. So I'm not going to go into depth on the, the success today. This is really a, an ROI discussion. But essentially, this is the what of your mobile strategy, as in what does success look like? And there's going to be two parts to that entire evaluation stage. There's going to be the pre-event and the post-event. Um, on the pre-event side, you're going to need to set up those metrics for measuring your event success. These should be directly related to the goals that you set up in the very beginning of this process. And then after the event, well, you're going to have tons of data. And that's going to tell you everything from attending behavior to event effectiveness. So your opportunities to, to analyze your events are, are quite vast, they're, they're, they're quite uh, prevalent, so you've got a lot of things to do. Now, if this is your first time and you're trying to define your goals, we do have something that we recommend, that it's called the POST method. And that helps guide you through the process. It, it just takes this process of thinking about what you want to accomplish much simpler by breaking down your strategy into four areas. So people, objective, strategy, and technology. Uh, now, this is actually a downloadable resource as well. Your uh, mobile event strategy on the people side has to begin with that understanding of the capabilities and preferences of your audience. You know, who are you trying to reach? How do you know about um, their use of the mobile technology? And how do you find out more? Once you've uh, built out that and you have a solid understanding of the people, 
then, um, then, then you move on to your objectives. Now, the objective side is, is something that you have to decide and what we talked about already about how you're going to, to measure that success and how, how you're going to get there. You know, which events or organizational goals um, can the mobile app help you achieve? How will you know when you met these goals? Then you move into the strategy phase where here it means figuring out what will be different after you're done. So imagine the endpoint, and you'll know where to begin. How does the mobile support your overall strategy? Is there an offline component you need to consider? Everything like that. So once you know the people, objectives, and strategies, you can confidently choose the mobile app that will, that will be best for your event. And in that, it's which tools are best supporting your objectives, and those match the intended audience that you've, you, you've, you've imagined and created. And uh, what, what capacities do you have to implement? Okay, now under uh, the event app strategy and goals, in the end there's going to be a finite amount of goals that all events have to accomplish. In fact, 90% of the events they, that will have these specific goals that you see here. So recent studies showed that networking is found to be the most important goal for attendees when attending events. And I'd hazard to, to guess or to assume that, that most events exist to teach people about something, whether it be trends, tactics. Education is really a key event goal that can be greatly supported by the right event technology. Other goals like uh, trade shows where making money is a primary goal, shareholder meetings where important decisions are made, or even incentive trips where the name of the game is fun. While these event types really vary, you can easily see a direct connection between those event goals and the needs and requirements of the technologies that you'll be using. Now, once your goals and objectives have been clearly defined and you've established those methods of how you want to accomplish them, and by that what I mean is really to select those features that drive those objectives of the event, we've provided a list here of some of the features that we thought are somewhat underutilized. Um, even when they're used correctly, they can really deliver a significant impact on the event itself. Now, at this point, I'm going to hand the uh, webinar over to Reg, who's going into detail on some of the specifics of the best practices for each one of these features. So, uh, at this point, uh, take it away, Reg. Great. Thanks, Kerry. Really appreciate that. And uh, thanks for providing us with uh, all that kind of high-level overview of how to really get organized when we're talking about looking at app design. Uh, as it relates to lining up with um, shareholder or stakeholder um, expectations for, for their events. So what we're going to do now is go through each of the um, tactics that you saw on that previous slide. And, we'll tr and what we'll do is we'll try to, um, we'll try to uh, go through each of these different um, areas to try and give you guys you know, some best practices uh, as to what we feel are the best ways to take advantage of our technology to really bring value to the audience. And so the first thing is uh, the disclaimer. So it's really interesting here because, and, and forgive me if I get really excited, but you know I find that there's so many ways that we can adjust and change and reconfigure our platform to really make an impact uh, with the attendee experience. And it's really basic, and that's why we did call this the back to basics. So. For a lot, of our, um, a lot of our users on the platform today, when they think of the disclaimer, they think of that ability to uh, highlight to the attendees, even before they go into our app, um, things regarding consent. For example, consent for GDPR, or for them to talk about legalities or some legalese before they go into the app. But don't forget that this is actually the very first impression that all attendees get when they go into the app. And you want to also make sure that the app is on brand with the overall, ex uh, overall experience of your event. So first impressions really do count here. So sure, you could use this as a disclaimer, but maybe you want to change this altogether because we have the ability to reconfigure this. Why not make this a welcome message? I've seen many people have a message from the president where they kind of say, hey, welcome to the 2018 North American Auto Show. We hope you have a fantastic time here. So not only can you use this for acceptable use policies or instructions on how to use the app, but you can make this a real warm and fuzzy. It doesn't have to be so, um, so um, 
uh, legalese, if you will. It can certainly be used to um, convey the message, the overall feeling of the event as well. So the next thing you can look, kind of look at here is the activity feed. And let's not forget, this is the very first thing that all the attendees are going to see when they, when they open up the activity feed. What have I typically seen um, used in the activity feed? Well, really, it's been the bare bones. Yes, I know that I can hook in the Twitter feed to get a sense of what all the hashtags are coming through. Yes, I can show the schedule. Yes, I can see things going on from a speak out perspective, meaning our internal Twitter. But why not use this to deliver more value? For example, I don't know if, uh, if many of you remember Confex, but Confex was a big uh, event that used to occur where they used to do on a daily basis, typically at the end of a day, something called The Daily. And what that was was a wrap-up. It was a printed piece, and it was a compilation of interviews throughout the day, potential content that they wanted to share um, from stakeholders and what have you, from sponsors and from exhibitors. But the reality is it's, it's a little bit out of date by the time you get it at the end of the day, particularly if maybe you're reading it first thing the next morning. Wouldn't it be fantastic if through our activity feed, you provided the attendees real-time information as to what's going on? For example, what if you had videotaped an interview with one of the key stakeholders or one of the key presenters, and then you put it right into the activity feed as a link to our video section? Give the attendees real-time opportunities to get a sense, get a finger on the pulse of what's happening. Scott, on your side, any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I've seen this used in a, a couple of ways, um, and some of them are really cool. So because it is um, that live activity feed, you know, if you're trying to drive engagement, um, or, you know, again, to what Kerry was saying, tying it back to maybe some of the goals, um, you know, I've seen it where um, they use it to highlight sponsors. Um, or obviously the keynote is quite popular. But even things like, if you really want to create a buzz and, and, and get excitement, um, through the things like gamification, you could post a check-in code for 15 minutes where people who enter that code in their uh, gamification uh, module could get bonus points and things like that. So, you know, it really is depending on the, what you're trying to create at the event and the type of buzz with the application, um, it really uh, can be used in so many ways. And like you said, it's the first thing they see and it's almost the piece they should be just going back to on a regular basis. You know, Scott, I wanted to add to that too, that there's the activity feed is so complex and there's so many moving parts about it. And it's something that can really, uh, really make an event. Um, so one of the handouts that we've actually put into the webinar is uh, one of our more popular pieces of content about activity feed design. So if you're looking for some ideas to, to really smooth out and uh, try some different things with that activity feed, uh, just download it on the handout section. Great, thanks, Kerry. So we're going to now segue on to the next section, surveys. And man, is this near and dear to our hearts. So let's, before we even get into surveys, let's take a look at the reality of the planner on site at the event. You're dealing with emails coming in from multiple stakeholders. The attendees are probably there, but also trying to do the do the old, oh, I'm working remotely, so I'm checking on all my email, working on all the things with my existing clients and, and, and what have you, but I'm also trying to pay full attention to what's happening around me at this event. You know, you're, the, the planners are dealing with staging and production. They're dealing with trying to make sure that the rooms have enough seats. And in all this time, they're trying to get feedback uh, through, the, through, through way or by way of surveys to get a sense of what's happening. What are the attendees feeling? What do they like? What don't they like? But time and time again, we see these surveys happening post-event. When someone has just spent a week or two or three days at an event, they get home from the event, and the reality is the first thing that they do isn't to open up the app again or open up an email from the event organizers to fill out a survey. The reality is they spend the next 24 to 72 hours catching up on backlogs from work. So by the time they get to those surveys, it's no longer fresh in their mind. They, don't, they no longer have that, that sense of what was really exciting them, what was really striking them as being incredible, the reason why they went to, this, went to the event. So you really, you, you really lose um, the, 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 the true 
finger on the pulse if all you're doing are the post-event surveys. So we're always talking about trying to get as close to the actual experience as you can. So that doesn't just mean immediate session surveys, but that could be spot surveys throughout the day. And take advantage of our technology. We have the ability to send out push messages with links right to those specific surveys to encourage people to fill something out. You don't have to send them a 10 point you know, survey with multiple thoughts. It could just be one question. How was the keynote? Would you come back next time? Was the, was the, was the presentation on point? Do you agree? And then immediately get that information back to, the, to that presenter, back to that stakeholder, so they get real-time opportunities to take action. And isn't that what surveys are all about? It's get the feedback, take action, so you can make that next event better, make that next experience better. So the next thing, and this kind of goes hand in hand, is live polling. So it's interesting here because, you know, if you've been around as long as we have, you've really seen an evolution of how polls are being taken care of. And, and we kind of see two kind of things going on here. You see some people who are apprehensive about the technology. Well, there's a little bit of risk involved. Will the presenters understand how to take advantage of the technology and send out the polls appropriately? Or will the technology work properly? What if it doesn't work in these few sessions where they're critical to the success of the, of the overall event? Well, the reality is, is live polling and the ability to deliver live polling experiences to the attendees during sessions, during events is quite mature at this point. It should never be a fear of will the technology work? At this point, it really comes down to how do we leverage the technology to get full full to, to, to take full advantage of what's going on should we deliver session pollings um, to uh, during every single session to make sure we get that real-time feedback do we want to just do general polling it really comes down to what are you trying to accomplish with your overall events and then get that information in there i'm not sure if uh scott or carrie you had any other additional thoughts on that no, I mean, it's, um, you know, the, what I like about the polling, um, you know, and you've touched on a few of these things, is just how versatile it is. But if you really get creative, it can be used for so many different things. Um, you know, Reg and I were actually at an event um, earlier in the year, and uh, by doing polling, what they were doing was actually, um, they, you know, they got the, the audience engaged, but they were actually trying to determine a little bit more of user information about these people. So they were asking them what was their favorite session. They were asking them, you know, which products did they like? And what they were actually doing was taking that information and now starting to categorize uh, and get more data on people in the room, which really was trying to turn into leads for their sales organization. So, you know, people like getting engaged. They like touching their, their phone and, 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 and feeling like they're contributing uh, in the room. And so, you know, why not take that opportunity to ask some questions to gather some data? Kerry, anything for you? Yeah, you know, another thing, one of my favorite things with polling, like a, a lot of people try to do different types of events and, you know, different event ideas. And the unconference off, often comes up. And we've had uh, several instances where we've run uh, the entire agenda of the conference through polling. So it was just a, an, a very integral part of the entire event right up at the get-go and actually led to the, the, the run of show and the program of, of the actual um, event itself. So uh, again, really limited by your imagination. There's just so much flexibility and uh, so much capability to really engage and have that interaction of your audiences. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you know, guys, let me take, take all this with a grain of salt. We realize that the life of a planner is not easy. You're you've got so many moving parts. You're juggling so many different activities and priorities. All we're suggesting is take advantage of the innate ability of the app to do some of this work for you. Great. So let's move on to the, to the next slide, which is photos. And you know, this is really funny. A lot of people overlook the capabilities of what a what what strategically placed photos can do with respect to leveraging the app platform so you can get more and more engagement and we can talk about this from a pre-event perspective to during the event to post event we can talk about different ways to leverage this technology so i'll just mention a few here 
First and foremost, it was funny, I had this exact same conversation with um, a planner yesterday where it's an international event. They're going to have people coming in from many different countries around the world. And they're worried that people are going to get lost, that they might not want to travel very far. So the first thing I said to them was, well, why don't you create a photo gallery of the city? It's San Francisco. Why don't you show them some of the key sites that someone that's coming in from, um, from India might want to see? Shows, you know, connect this to City Seeker as well, because we have the ability to provide people with, um, you know, the top 10 tourist attractions. So it gives them a reason to come. It starts to set the, set the tone for the overall event city that they're, that they're going to go to. Moreover, speaker, like photos of speakers and uh, fo photos of the venues can make a huge difference. We know with all the camera technology out there today, whether it's the iPhone 10 Plus or the newest Samsung device out there, make sure you're using high resolution photos to really make the event, in, the, the event uh, images really, really pop. And moreover, so let's say for example, there was some really compelling uh, commentary from last year that everyone absolutely uh, remembered. If you have those images from last year, include them in a photo gallery. Maybe it was the um, best memories of the 2017 event. Maybe you have some polls or pictures or infographics that you want to display from some really compelling exhibitors. Maybe your keynote speaker was talking about is global warming real, yes or no. Maybe you want to have some compelling photos of, uh, of people really arguing uh, that topic. Include that. You're going to really set the tone for the event. Or, more, or, or if you even take a step back, how-to instructions how to get from the, uh, from the airport uh, to the venue, how to navigate the, the venue itself. Take advantage of the capabilities of these photos and think creatively of what you can do to really generate that buzz. So now we're gonna segue into push, uh, push notifications and I'm gonna kind of just kind of start off um, with a little bit of this is what it can do and then I know that uh, my colleague uh, Scott is, gonna, is going to really provide <coughs> us with some real uh, specific tactics on that. So absolutely push notifications can be, can be designed to really catch the attention of the, of the attendees but don't forget that you really need to come up with an overall communication plan of not only leveraging push, push messages but also announcements that show up in the activity feed. And then make sure that you're using them strategically. I know that if I get a whole bunch of push messages on my device, after a while I start to tune them out. So take the time and leverage our technology to strategically deliver these. For example, did you know that with our technology, we can actually target our push messages and we can target our announcements to go to a specific segment of individuals? So. I don't want to know that the sales 101 session is, has been moved from dining hall A to dining hall B if I'm not signed up for it. So you have the ability to send these notifications, to send these reminders, to send these updates to just the people who will care about it. And this really becomes the voice of the event. Do you want to send a welcome to everyone? Do you want them to really get a sense of, of the, the mood, the feeling when they get there? your communication plan will help you to achieve that. Yeah, and to jump uh, jump in here, Reg, real quick. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've, uh, I've been at two uh, event industry trade shows recently, and one of which was purely dedicated to event technology. And, you know, it's, as you would expect, both of these had an app. <clears throat> but sadly, both of these events did not send a single push notification. Such a lost opportunity. Uh, recent stats indicate that a at a minimum, 25% of app users do not receive a who do not receive a push notification in the first 90 days, and in many cases, 100% don't. And I just mentioned, and over these users, only 5% continue to use the app within the first 90 days. So that data just shows that if people are getting push notifications, they're staying engaged. If they're not, they they, they start to they start to tune out. So. You know, these stats, though, are universal to mobile applications in general. Um, and being that users of event apps are almost forced to use the application despite the lack of push notifications, it does demonstrate just how valuable and engaging they are to your delegates. 
So event organizers are often worried about overdoing it with the frequency in which they send push notifications. And as Reg pointed out, you can and should segment your notifications as much as possible to only those who it impacts or makes it relevant to. So apps that had zero push notifications versus those that had messages being sent more frequently uh, than daily saw three to 10 times the app usage and adoption for those who sent none. So, you know, filtering your messages for relevant audiences can only increase the open rates and response times for four to seven times as much. Now, we're currently working on uh, the development of deep linking for our push notifications, which when swiped by the user, the push messaging will then take them directly to a piece of content or action item like a survey. These are referred to as rich push messages, and these can increase open rates of your application by even over 50%. So, not to overload you with stats, but there is a real science and data supporting the power of this tool. There is a reason that almost every successful application you download today will ask you straight away if you opt in. And lastly, your message should be informative for event-related updates, changes, etc., but also responsive to behaviors you're witnessing in the application and contributions your delegates are making to discussion boards, feedback being given through Q&A sessions, voting, uh, common questions being about where to go and so on. Uh, and it's wise to double your, efforts, double your efforts by sending the same message in-app so as well as a push notification. So lots of different ways and some stats there, Reg, on, on push notifications. Kerry? Yeah, I just wanted to chime in here about the overusage of push notifications as well because that can quickly uh, become a, a big turnoff to attendees uh, and, and you know everybody involved with the event alike. Um, I do recall being at a particular event, and I'm not going to name names, of course, uh, but they pretty much ran about four different sponsored push notifications per day. Um, so you would find that that all with all these messages popping up. Um, and those being more about a, a sponsorship thing, it really became overdone quite quickly. So you, there's a very fine line and a very, uh, there, there's a, a lot of, bit of a gray area in between what is too much and what is just the right amount. So just be very cognizant of the amounts and frequencies and the, the value of the message themselves. And uh, try to uh, kind of make that fine balance between your sponsors and uh, the value for the attendees. Yeah, Kerry, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's interesting. So I'll just, I'll just kind of give one suggestion that I've seen um, certain partners use to really take advantage of that communication plan. As you probably know, when you're doing announcements, you have the ability to anchor announcements onto our activity feed. So for example, whether it's directing traffic or whether it's to support a sponsor that's paid for visibility in the app, Say, for example, it's the North American Auto Show and Ford gave you sponsorship funds and they want to put out an announcement on your activity feed. You have the ability to anchor that message from that sponsor onto the activity feed and you can timestamp it so that it only stays there for a finite amount of time. That way, that clutter, and really I shouldn't call it that, that sponsor message does have the ability to then leave and then you can continue on with the other communications that need to be done. So thanks, Carrie. I think that was a really good point. It really comes down to a strategy and understanding what is too much or what is being underutilized to make sure that you kind of drive behavior at their event. And on that same subject, let's talk about the next slide here, which is deep linking. So this is really interesting for us because what we're starting to see in the industry is, you know, there are so many features out there now and so many different drill down levels within the app because there's so many capabilities, it's starting to become fatiguing for attendees to find what they're looking for. So we've developed this ability to find shortcuts. So if you kind of take a look uh, a little closer at the uh, graphic in front of you with the iPhone, you'll see here, and this kind of goes back to another thing that I'm really passionate about, there's a, a, an alert here for everyone to remember to fill out their survey. Well, our shortcut is, is is that little blue line, that hyperlink, where if the attendee simply clicks on the hyperlink, it takes them right to that specific survey. 
doesn't that make life so much easier than asking them to, okay, I've just read your reminder for me to do the survey. Now I'll go back into the navigation. Now I'll go into the survey section. Now I'll search for that specific survey. Make it easy for them, especially if we go back to that thought about getting real-time feedback, putting your finger on the pulse. Make it as easy for them to do what you're trying to get them to do. If, you're, if, if, the, if the asked behavior is to fill out the survey, make it as easy for them to click on that link and take that survey right away. And so that kind of segs me, segues into that second thought process. We have a number of different ways that you can use deep linking to encourage behavior. Just like if you're doing a gamification with our, with our app, you have the ability to set specific types of behavior based on our app. So for example, if you're asking people to upload photos for points, make it easy for them. Give them a link to the area where they need to upload the photo. Scott, thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, as I stated earlier around, um, you know, our development of deep linking push messaging or, or rich push messages, you know, these deep links um, and actionable deep links to content feedback forms, like you said, has just proven significantly to drive usage and engagement. So, you know, since we launched them, um, you know, we've seen the adoption change um, and, uh, you know, it, it just makes it become more intuitive. And, you know, looking at how digital marketing and websites have become more intuitive these days and how the navigation uh, we see and the content is served up is much different than it was. You know, that's what we're seeing uh, through this deep linking. So, um, you know, again, um, get creative and think of really unique ways um, of, of driving people to content. Fantastic. Yeah, so you know, you know, take that in mind and we'll kind of segue on to the next section because one thing that you can do is deep link from the activity feed into our video section. For example, uh, maybe you're reminding people to swing by the, uh, the Ford booth because you want them to check out the new 50th anniversary Ford Mustang. Well, why not load up a video on how the engineers built the Ford Mustang or a history from the Model T all the way to where the Ford Mustang is today. So I find sometimes that our video section is a little bit underutilized and sometimes I'm not sure if it's because people are afraid that they have to make their own videos or whether they uh, just don't have enough content. But think about all the different uh, stakeholders at your event. Perhaps you can have a section on um, you know, dem product demonstrations from some of your exhibitors. Uh, perhaps you, if, if, if it's a, a really global event and you've got uh, audiovisual teams doing uh, photo, uh, photo and video. You maybe want to like video some of your breakout sessions and load them in here as well. Maybe you have interviews from some of the speakers. And don't forget about your previous years. I'm sure that if this is the 15th year of your event, that you've probably had some really successful events in the past. Don't be afraid to, if you've got video of the keynotes from previous years, load that in here as well because you're really setting the stage. You're reminding people about how good it was before and how much better it's going to be this year. And these videos help you to kind of set that all up. And so one of the newer innovations that, um, that we're, I mean, I guess it's really not new anymore, but I would say that's uh, an innovation that I don't see as many people taking advantage of is the ability to do live streaming. And so interestingly enough, Carrie and our team here has actually done a video on how to deliver a live, three, a live stream through our app. Carrie, do you want to talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. You know, this is one of my favorite parts of video, and, and I'm surprised that it's not used as, as much as it, as it has been. Now, uh, we, we did a webinar um, previously on this, on how to set it up, and we did it for free. So essentially, you take Google Live, and it creates basically a YouTube uh, link. And, and then from there, you can just use that. You can use an open source broadcasting software, take the feed off your main panel through that broadcasting software and up it goes right to YouTube Live. So there's a bit of a delay out in the test I did, it was about 12 seconds. But what a great way to support the content of the entire event itself. You know, those people that 
that can't make it or they have to whip back to their hotel room can grab the event app and continue to watch the session even though they might not be able to physically be there or they may want to review it again because the neat thing is is that once that live stream is done um, YouTube Live takes it and then it transfers and processes it and then makes it into a regular YouTube video. So you get the best of both worlds. You can have it running live and then you can expand out your audience by uh, having um, you know, virtual attendance and then you can have it last longer because now it's up on YouTube, you have the event app that sort of consolidates all the content in one place and it just makes for a phenomenal, very modern age digital experience for the attendees. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And don't forget also that we also have the ability with our Beacon technology to launch videos. So let's go back to that analogy that I was using for that North American Auto Show, that Ford dealer exhibitor booth, and that 50th anniversary, North, uh, 50th anniversary Ford Mustang topic. So I'm an attendee. I'm walking by all these different car booths and I walk past the 50th anniversary cherry red Ford Mustang and then pop, the beacon sees me that I've come by and it serves up a video on the history of the Ford Mustang. I watch that video, interesting as it is, I go over to the, um, the person at the booth talking to them about their event and then the guy says to me, hey, why don't you fill out our survey? I immediately click on that deep link to the survey and it serves me up just a quick two-point two question on the survey. That information gets passed back to me, the admin. I pass it back to my Ford stakeholders and they can immediately make changes based on maybe the first 10, 15, 25 different survey results that they've seen for the next day's actions because this is a three or four day event. So that's just, that's just an example of taking two or three different components within our app, leveraging them all together in real time to get a pulse of what everyone's feeling about that specific subject matter, taking those analytics, getting it back to the stakeholders, and then taking action on site at the event to make that experience richer for the attendees. Thanks a lot, Kerry. That was really good. So let's move on to the next subject. So this one's an interesting one. So I've had many um, clients, customers come to me and say, hey, we really like the idea of Twitter, but this is an internal event for employees only, and we can't use Twitter because we don't want stuff getting out into the Twitter sphere. All the comments will have to stay internal, but we still want the, we still want the employees or our, our internal stakeholders to um, share and get engaged with one another. So we came up with Speakouts, which is basically an internal version of Twitter, giving attendees the opportunity to weigh in on topics, weigh in on discussions, uh, without having that information go external. So here are some, some thoughts that I had. Certainly you can anchor your main topic onto our activity feed and then allow people to engage and talk about it, but why not crowdsource the audience why not start your speakouts two weeks before the event? Send out a push message letting everyone know, hey, the topic on global warming is now up on our activity feed. Weigh in. The keynote speaker, David Suzuki, is just about, has just, has just uh, made his first statement. People will immediately go in, see what he had to say because he's a subject matter expert in, the, uh, in that specific topic. And then hopefully what you'll do is you're going to get discussion going on before the event even begins. Now, one week before the event, if you've got a lot of people weighing in, giving their thumbs up, you know, giving their own opinions, take that information back and give it back to that presenter. Give him uh, a real finger on the pulse as to what people wanna talk about, what they wanna hear about. Now he's gonna have the ability to potentially change his presentation altogether, or at the very least, highlight those um, really useful comments during his actual presentation. So, moreover, you have the ability to um, have multiple speakouts. So, of course, we have the ability to set up different topic streams. So, one could be on global warming, but then you can have subcategories for people to talk about as well, whether it's combustion engines, whether it's um, alternative fuel technology, whatever the case may be, take advantage of this technology uh, to really get people active and talking about what is their biggest concern, what are their biggest challenges, what are their hopes and aspirations for the future through this internal discussion board, if you will. So, yeah. So I'm going to hand this back over to Scott to kind of summarize a little bit for us. 
Well, I, I was just going to say um, that uh, you know, I think you know, we we know this, and, and and hopefully, what we're getting across today is that really careful planning, choosing the right features to support the event, um, you know, can really uh, and and really driving as much value out of those features as possible. Um, you know, really makes a difference, and it makes a difference from the minute that attendee downloads it. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's like doing it right or or not doing it right. Um, we were uh, I was at an event last week, uh, an industry event, and uh, you know I don't think the attendees found any value in the application that was being offered, and uh, you know it, it's disappointing that after all these years, people are still failing at what I call one of the most basic hurdles, which is you know really leveraging the application and having a plan and, and executing on it. You know, Scott, if I could just uh, hop in here for a second. Um, you know, when we were, a short while ago, when we were really trying to discover, trying to bring up a topic for this webinar, and then we got this concept of back to basics. and. You know, we really felt it was timely at this point in time to do that, to say, yes, we do have 50 plus features into the app itself. And just getting back to basics is like using these features um, and, it, you know, not, not looking at, look, looking forward to tomorrow, not trying to get too fancy, but just using these features and pulling out the full value out of them uh, so that you are driving value of the event app and getting that return on that investment. Um, that, that all of our customers have purchased. So the back to basics is really about using the basic features well and uh, making something really great uh, out of all, all that effort and all that investment inside. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you guys more. And I mean, at the end of the day, this is simply a tool to help you achieve your event level goals. But one of the things that we have noticed, and it's an industry statistic, is if you have greater than 80 to 85% app adoption, chances are people are really engaged. And the reason why they're really engaged is if you have that high an app adoption, or the magic number being 100% app adoption, that's me that means that everyone has downloaded the app. They've seen all those push notifications. They've seen all the announcements and the sponsor sponsor pinned uh, promotions. They're actively weighing in on discussions on that global warming topic. They're taking a look at your photo gallery. They're planning a family vacation because they've seen that you've shown them uh, photos of the of the destination destination city, and they want to come to the overall event. So. Take all these ideas with a grain of salt, but what we're saying to you is that this technology is highly configurable. It has the ability to allow you to, or at the very least, help you to achieve your event level goals if you simply take a little bit more time to see what's, what the capabilities are. And if you're ever unsure as to, well, can I do this with this technology, or can I do that, simply reach out to us. We'd love to give you some of our best practice recommendations to take advantage of what's already here, to Carrie's point, over 50 features, over 50 different ways to uh, reconfigure and get your message out there to the attendees to bring value back to the stakeholders. All you gotta do is ask. This technology is designed to help you. Awesome, thanks Reg. Thanks Carrie on that. So, um, you know, there's a lot of good stuff there. And, and I mean, we, you know, we touched on some of the things that we see where there's a common gaps. Um, there's obviously a lot of areas in the application that, uh, you know, you can always enhance and, and, you know, if we're really talking basics, uh, you can make sure there. Um, but again, these are the ones that really bubbled up. So um, I know we've got this time for questions. I'm not sure if we've got many questions because I, I know a lot of this is more just reiterating uh, a lot of the, the things we do. But um, Kerry, and, and what do we have out there? Um, I'm just looking at the at the feed here. A uh, couple of things. Number one, um, a view, uh, uh, seeing a sample of the live streaming demo. I've sent out a, a message to everyone through the um, the GoToWebinar control panel on that link for that video itself, so you can get there without having to register or anything like that. But you can see uh, how we actually set up a live stream and uh, and utilized it, and how easy it is to do. So there's that one. And then we have from Clinton as well, we have, uh, it'd be great if notifications sent were stored somewhere, a designated area, so that attendees can review them later if they happen to miss it. 
And that's something that, uh, I guess, well, in the notifications, if it's set to do that, it could go through. But I do see uh, the point where it would be uh, something nice within the app itself. Um, it may not work too well for the chronological ones, like this, this, uh, this session's about to begin. Uh, but it could certainly be um, important for some of the more important value-driven type of messages. So that's something that we could definitely uh, put through the pipe over to product. I don't know what you well, I know, I know we are working on updating our message center, and, uh, and that's one of the uh, requests we do here. So uh, hopefully something we see uh, sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, I mean, I typically, because um, if I use any other application, if I get a notification, um, you know, you, some of them have a place you can go back and some of them don't. Um, so I typically, my, my habit is just going into my notifications from my device, not so much the individual app. Um, but uh, again, it is something we're working on. Um, and then I saw a, a couple of other questions. So one, um, the question is, how much time does it take to create an amazing application versus just a basic application? So, Reg, maybe I'll, I mean, we don't want to scare anyone, I, I, but, uh, you know, you're, like, if you look at some of the events that you've done, uh, you know, if you put in, I, I know you always put, you know, 110% into everything um, when it comes to the content and, and what the things we can do and getting creative on gamification. But if you just went with the basics, what we're seeing a lot of in the industry, what would you say the additional effort is? You know, it's interesting. Uh, a lot of times, and I, and I have this exact same conversation with partners who are trying to figure out, well, how many hours do I bill my um, do I bill my my client for this for this work? And it's funny because as I kind of walk them through these recommendations that we've done today, you can really do some certain like basic things to make your app pop, such as finding high resolution photos such as coming up with the right type of communication plan. And this can be done, you know, within, call it four to six hours. And then after that, it's, it's, the, it's the humdrum kind of stuff that I would call it, like, you know, loading up the attendee list, you know, putting in the speaker information and bios. I mean, that can all be done through your integration with uh, your registration platform, such as the C-Event platform. Um, <laughs> that was an unashamed plug right there, everyone. Um, however, you know, it, it really comes down to, well, maybe the question is, well, how important is the event to you? You know, if, if, if you have the extra time, take a little bit of time and, and look for those um, digitally rich uh, images that you can put into the app to really make that app pop. You know, um, spend a little bit more time with the, uh, with the speakers to get you know, really good, a, a really good sense of what they're talking about and then create that really short survey with that deep link and post it right onto the activity feed. Spend a little bit of time to figure out what's the overall feel and start that discussion through the speak out before the event even begins. So, you know, it's, it's, it's little housekeeping things like that that can go a real long way and it's not very difficult to set up. You just have to kind of take the time to plan out the overall, what we call the app strategy, like what... Um, Carrie was mentioning too, and that lines up with the uh, one of the handouts from today. Okay, um, how uh, excuse me? How do you help clients take the app components seriously as they do with other aspects in the planning of the event? Uh, so, how many clients assume that the app and its value is just automatic? Oh, that's a that's a good one. I mean, I think that's where uh, our partners, you know, bring in the value to to educate their clients on, you know, kind of what we're talking about here today is you can check a box and have an application and it will give you X. Um, but, you know, if you add in the additional effort, um, this is what it could give you. And these are the things it could be doing. And so, you know, I don't know if that's a case of us providing some more. I mean, I know you're providing your handouts, Kerry. I don't know if there's anything else we can do to, sh to show the difference. I mean, we've, we've mentioned a few stats today that um, maybe we can talk about. But uh, I don't know what your thoughts are there. You know, I, I always go back to one of my uh, favorite examples. And that was the uh, Convention Industry Council, the CIC and they have their conclave event. 
and it was it was a sponsorship that we did so we got to get a little more involved with the actual app planning side of things and it was a really really unique experience because again same thing is they had the app and the scheduling was all beautiful the attendee list was there it was it was it was really a nice experience and it was well done and elegant and all that and quite easy to do. But then we just decided to, because it was a sponsorship and because I'm in marketing, we decided to do a few more things. We really wanted to showcase it. And I felt like the app itself wasn't being showcased. So at that point in time, um, we had a chat with them a little bit before the conference and said, look, we feel that there's a lot of other things that we would like to do with this. Um, would here's some of our thoughts. And number one was was the gamification and really getting that up. Now they already had a uh, game in mind, and they'd already had a pretty nice prize for the entire event for the for the game itself. But the game itself, we just they you know had not gone through the those steps of building out a really neat type of game so we sat in and we helped them out with that and we built out a whole new game then we also took one of the sessions and early on and it was sort of a a, a fun session it was actually a session on using humor and it was we decided to do some fun polls like you know if you were you know, what would your superpower be if you had one? Would it be invisibility or strength or x-ray vision and whatnot? And, um, uh, you know, people, we got people engaged and starting to get familiar with the polling function with something that wasn't too uh, serious. But what this did get them was, was familiar with the, with the technology. And then when we did do a serious poll, everybody was sort of ready, knew how to use it, was willing and able to pull out their phones and engage with that session. So by doing those steps, and again, that's where the strategy comes into play, is by doing those steps and, and having that, you know, going down and really mapping out your attendee journey and attendee experience in the event, and then providing those steps and the technology and the process uh, behind it, then that is probably the best way I've found to really get that much more out of those features of the app itself. You know, that's, that's fantastic. And I think that's a really, really good way of leveraging the, te the technology. But why don't I kind of take a look at that same question, but from more of a, hey, hey, back to basics kind of mentality. You know, it, it's kind of funny because I think that we here at uh, Quick Mobile take for granted the fact that we see this technology as mature and ever, ever improving with new technology and features. However, for some people, it's their very first experience. And sometimes it's really about perception. And what do I mean by that is perhaps in the past, the way they get information out to the attendees is the old tried and true paper brochure. So a lot of the times it could simply be a, a, a factor of, well, isn't this just a digital schedule? And really, when we're having that conversation about this with the uh, prospective client across the table, it's to get them to understand that it's not just a digital schedule. It's actually more than that. The, the scheduling piece is like the must-have, but it's not the nice-to-have. It's not the need-to-have. And I want to stress the need-to-have because events are all about engagement and getting attendees to understand and be a part of an experience. And the app, leveraged in the proper way, configured properly, can help them with that experience. So this is a tool to help them to achieve their event experience, their event level goals. It's not just to show them that, you know, Sales 101 is in room 25. Just, just my thoughts. You know what, Reg, that, is, that, that really drives it home. It's, the app is the digital face of your event. And as we modernize, like, you know, a lot of people do think it might be just a replacement for the program. And that's because they came from there and they, they swapped out the huge printing cost for the cost of an app. And then they just kind of made that one-to-one -one switch. But as we've, you know, developed our product and, you know, over 10, 10 11 years and put millions and millions of R&D into it, it's become quite sophisticated. So... I like to consider the app as basically that digital face of the event. And by looking at it that way, 
it, you know, it, it merits having event planners with digital staff on hand to be able to run these things and keep them going as much as they would any other uh, option on their event. So that's what, that's what my two cents on that too as well. Well, you know, I think uh, we could talk about this all day. Um, but certainly some passionate people here um, that, uh, you know, really get excited about different ways and, uh, and really seeing that uh, look on their face when uh, they're at an event and an attendee is downloading the application or telling them how great it is. So, um, you know, as always, we're here to help. Um, and uh, you can connect you can connect to us directly or through partners at quickmobile.com um, we do really appreciate all of your time so thank you Kerry thank you Reg for your time we'll uh, we'll sign out now